You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie recommendations for whatever ails you. We should say here again, we are not real therapists. We are not doctors, but we are real movie critics. Oh, yes, we are. And with that disclaimer out of the way, Rafer, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, let's. Our first letter is from Katie. She says... Dear Rafer and Kristen, I think I'm consuming too much news. I read it in bed in the morning. I read it at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. I read it throughout the day. I know that most of this news consumption is a coping mechanism for my anxiety during the COVID-19 pandemic. I like to have answers. And right now, we're in a situation where there aren't a lot of reliable ones. But all this news coverage isn't bringing me peace. Sometimes I think I'm making things worse. Can you help me? Kick this habit. Ooh, I know how this feels. Reefer, I am somebody who every night as I go to sleep, I fall asleep reading the COVID coverage from the New York Times. You know how they have all that free coverage right now? Yep, everyone does. You don't even does. have to have a New York Times membership. Yep. And I just fall asleep every single night reading what's in there. You do the same thing? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think I think <laughs> we all do it. I, I also, I think, have the added disadvantage of checking Twitter at night, oh, which is probably yes. almost the worst thing you could possibly do, uh, <laughs> you know, to see what, you know, people on there um, tweeting about the deaths of their relatives and blaming the administration and blaming the right and blaming the left. Um, Twitter is just, I, I'm on Twitter mostly to make sure that I don't miss what's happening. So in case I see that people are talking about a certain thing that I think, oh, I may have missed a story, I'll go back and check that. But you always wind up just going down the down the Twitter hole and getting yourself, you know, completely angry and upset and, and <sighs> riddled with anxiety. So between Twitter and the news and social media in general, it's um it's tough. Oh God, it's really bad. And I'm one of those people. You're going to be so mad at me, Rafer, because we've been friends for over ten years. What? And for this entire time we've been friends, you're like. Don't read the comments. Don't comment on the comments. This is something that you've oh God, always Christian. told me. And of course, like, 
on Twitter, it's such a fine line. I'm like, am I engaging with people or am I becoming like a commentator too? Like, oh, and then I yes. do it. I do it. And then I go yeah. back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, oh, why do I do this? Reefer's going to be so mad at me. I shouldn't do this. And then I keep doing oh, it. Oh, it's the worst. It's so bad. You might, you might as you might as well you might as well smoke crack. I mean, it's just, just there's there are few things worse for your few things worse for your health. I would say than reading the comments. Good grief, Kristen. <laughs> I know better. And then of course I get into it. And then I get mad. And then I'm up even later reading other things so that I can link to those things when I comment on other people's things. Oh, it's so bad. But anywho, we should get back to Katie. Katie, what we're saying here is we feel what you're doing here. We do what you're doing here. We know how all this feels. But all that being said, there are a couple of things I've done that have helped me to cut down on my news consumption. And when I do them, they do actually make me feel better. They include first setting a timer for myself of maybe 30 minutes when I'm allowed to look at the news each day. And second, limiting myself to only reading current events and current health guidelines. That means no fear-mongering speculation pieces, just news that's in the here and now. Maybe you can try doing the same, Katie. And of course, we also have movie prescriptions for you as well. Rafer, what's yours? I'm going to recommend a movie that is all about unplugging. I'm recommending Wild from 2014, the Reese Witherspoon movie, the one about the woman who goes off and finds herself. It's uh, based on a, a memoir by Cheryl Strayed, a real-life author, who had a pretty troubled life. Um, her mother's died. She seems to be coping with her grief by using heroin and having a lot of sex. Pretty much out of nowhere, she decides to hike the 2,600-mile Pacific Crest Trail, which basically runs from Mexico to Canada. Uh, it's like a 100-day journey, and it's usually undertaken by hardcore hikers. But Shell Strait had no experience whatsoever. She just buys some boots and a bunch of camping-type stuff, and she hits the trail. You get lonely? Honestly, I think I'm lonelier in my real life than I am out here. As I miss my friends, of course, but it's not like I really have anybody waiting for me at home. How about you? Why are you here? Um, I don't know. I just need to find something in myself, you know. I think the trail is good for that. I mean, look, this has the power to fill you up again if you let it. My mother used to say something that drove me nuts. There's a sunrise and a sunset every day. And you can choose to be there for it. You can put yourself in the way of beauty. My kind of woman. There's a few things I like about this uh, about this movie. One is that it's a true story that gives it some authenticity, I feel. And it feels like a really personal story to me. And I like the fact that the hike is this totally random thing that this woman does. It's, it's, it's not some long-held dream that she's uh, been thinking of for years and years. It has no connection to her dead mom. The randomness of it, there's a sort of a purity to it that I kind of like. And it just... It gives her time to think, time to be, time to just experience what she's experiencing. And I think, Katie, our letter writer, I think that's what you need. I know you can't hit the Pacific Crest Trail right now at the moment, <laughs> but maybe there's some kind of metaphorical hike that you can come up with for yourself that will allow you to focus and just be. 
Mm. Oh, I love that, Rafer. I love it. The idea of a metaphorical hike. Well, thank you, Kristen. That's really nice. I like that. Um, And it's very, very different from my prescription for Katie. Yes. What's your prescription? It's a little TV show with about 400 episodes called Grey's Anatomy. Hey, 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 stop. Wait, don't cut. Okay. Damn it, Deluca. Just stop. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, but I found something. I was going over Dr. Weber's history again, and he got a hip replacement three years ago in Boston. Richard Weber is sedated on the table. You need to step away from the sterile field and wait outside. And you can tell us about it when we're finished. No, no, no. How about now? You gonna listen to me now? That's it. You're done. Get out. Uh, we need Bailey. to restart. No, no, no. Bailey, Bailey listen to me, okay? Look, you don't need to do the biopsy, all right? His hip replacement was made out of cobalt. We did a heavy metals test. It came back negative, right? Not for cobalt. That test is mercury, arsenic, and lead. We wouldn't see that. Right. And if that hip is deteriorating, Bailey, cobalt poisoning would explain the dementia, the depression, hallucinations, tremors, everything, okay? And every second that it stays in his body, he's, he's getting sicker. Bailey, please trust me. Grey's Anatomy. Yes, yes. I am (laughs) recommending Grey's Anatomy. If you've never heard of Grey's Anatomy, which I'm guessing you probably have, it is a medical soap opera slash drama with comedic moments, multicultural cast, starting with a merry band of medical interns first starting out in their medical careers in Seattle. Sure. It was created by Shonda Rhimes, who has since created lots of other great shows like Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. Um, but this was her first really giant breakthrough hit. We should also note that she's the screenwriter behind Crossroads, starring Britney Spears. Should we note that? Yes, we absolutely should. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shonda Rhimes has worked on a lot of different projects. But Grey's Anatomy, it may just seem like a silly soap, but Grey's Anatomy also offers Katie something that she wants right now, and that is answers, a solution for every problem. Every episode opens with something bad happening, and by the end, you have a diagnosis of what it is. You have a solution. Maybe you don't get the solution fast enough, and maybe somebody's dead, but at least you know by the end of the episode what it is that caused such and such to happen. And having those kinds of solutions, it can feel good at a time when there are not solutions being offered, when there are not answers. So I'm recommending Grey's Anatomy, where you see that the biggest conundrums in life are those that we create ourselves. They're the conundrums of the heart. They're the conundrums that come because you're sleeping with both your boss and your coworker at the same time as you have a crush on your neighbor. These are the bigger problems. These issues of medical mystery, these will be figured out at the end of every episode. I can't keep any of those shows straight. Is that Dr. McDreamy or not Dr. McDreamy? Yes, it's Dr. McDreamy and... It is. Dr. McSteamy. Which one is Dr. McSteamy? (laughs) I remember this. I remember this. Dr. McSteamy slept with Dr. McDreamy's wife. And early on in the show, we find out, you know that that happened and lots of drama unfolds. Okay. Lots of drama. But it's not but you know, it's not just about the drama. It's also about solutions every episode and I I think it's a good escape and maybe Grey's Anatomy is the metaphorical hike that Katie needs to go on for the next several months since there's almost 400 episodes. So, yeah. There you <laughs> go, Katie. You can watch every single episode of Grey's Anatomy. That'll good. That's, that's, a, that's, a bit, that's like a, a good 100-day hundred, hundred hike for sure there. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie recommendation? Write to us at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. Once again, that's RaferandKristen at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer. All right, stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who thinks she might be on the verge of becoming a very bitter person. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, Plus, tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. Hey, listeners, we want to tell you about another show we absolutely adore, hosted by my friends James Barr and Dan Hudson. It's called A Gay and a Non-Gay, and it's the UK's number one LGBTQ comedy podcast. In each episode, James and Dan talk about both serious and ridiculous topics in an approachable way that always promotes acceptance and self-love. Whether it's dating, human rights, or sexual health, they're not afraid to go deep and be brutally honest. One of my favorite recent episodes featured special guest Dr. Range, who talked about COVID-19, but also about what it was like growing up gay, male, and Asian. Check out A Gay and a Non-Gay. Again, that's A Gay and a Non-Gay, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. All right, we're back with our second letter of the week. This one is from Nell. Kristen, you want to read what Nell says? Yes. Nell says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I live alone and usually I love living alone. But during our era of social distancing, I've found myself getting quite lonely and bitter. I do my best to FaceTime with friends a few times a week and to stay connected on social media, but it's not enough. And anytime I see people online complaining about their spouse or roommate or kids, all I can think is, at least you have someone you can see in person each day. <sighs> How can I feel less lonely and feel less jealous of everyone who doesn't live alone? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know, that's a tough one also because I am, of course, in the opposite situation. I am here in my house with uh, my wife and uh, two kids, and we're all trying to 
you know, work and uh, learn and, you know, do our virtual schooling and all this stuff. And uh, boy, what I would not give for 15 minutes of alone time. It's just impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to get. But having said that, I understand what Nell is saying, um, you know, and uh, you don't want to feel alone at a time like this when the world has become scary and we don't know when the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. I totally get uh, I totally get what Nell is saying. Kristen, can you relate? Yeah, oh, totally. And one thing I want to say is, Nell, it's one thing to love living alone, and it's another to be forced to not be able to see anybody. Those are two different things. So the fact that you started off your letter saying you normally love living alone – yeah, who doesn't? I used to love living alone back in the days when I lived alone. Boy, I hear you. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> but, you know, being forced to be separate from others, being forced to be in a situation where even if we can see somebody else, like let's say we can meet up with somebody in a park and stand eight feet away from each other, we're not allowed to hug. Right. We're not allowed to, you know, do a lot of the basic things that humans want to do. And as infuriating as other people can be, the fact is we're social animals and other people are part of what makes life joyous. So yeah, it's tough being separated from other people and it's tough that it's not our choice. So I totally feel you now, but there are a couple things I've done and my friends have done that have made us feel less alone and maybe they'll work for you. Uh, one of them is to do something meaningful, like deliver food to elderly neighbors or sew masks or volunteer to be an expert guest in a virtual classroom. And another is to connect with other people who are in the same boat as you, who feel the same way as you through a service like quarantine chat or even starting your own virtual meetup group for people who live alone. And in addition to those suggestions, we, of course, also have movie prescriptions for you now. Rafer, what's yours? Well, uh, I do have a prescription for you. I, I, I want to say here, I don't know how I became this person um, recommending uh, a, 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 these movies in a genre of women going off and finding themselves, which, which really, under normal circumstances, is my least favorite genre of film. Um, but <laughs> but We should note here that Rafer has seen every single Fast and Furious movie multiple times. That is how I think of Rafer. That's not true. Yes, that's, that's deeply unfair. <laughs> Um, I've seen some of them several times. I've seen Fast Five a few times. Um, okay, I'm going to recommend. Uh, I don't. Again, I don't know how this has happened to me, but I'm going to recommend Under the Tuscan Sun from 2003 with Diane Lane. I, I know you're thinking, you know, what what what's happened to me, but but I think this movie has kind of um an undeserved reputation as uh, as sort of a gauzy fantasy romance for uh, rich white women. I'm going to say that's only partially true. Uh, it does star <laughs> Diane Lane as Frances Mays, an author. She's living in San Francisco. She's just been through a divorce. She's very depressed. So she takes a vacation to Italy, happens to pass by a rundown but very pretty villa, and pretty much on the spot, she buys it. And suddenly she's living in Italy, a country where she doesn't know a soul. I, I can't go back to San Francisco. No. No. I'm sorry, Signora. The Contessa's family have lived here for generations, so understandably it is uh, very difficult for her to sell. Money is not the only issue. She needs... Un segno di Dio. Un segno. A sign. I understand. I believe in signs, too. Well... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
please. Grazie Dio, il segno, il segno. San Francesco ti ringrazio. In Italy, what happened to you just now is a very good sign. <laughs> Rafer, you're a 65-year-old white lady. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this happened to me. This is maybe I've had the coronavirus, and this is what it's done to me. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> I promise you. Uh, the one thing I will swear to you is I will never recommend Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. But I, okay, I do want to say though about this movie. I only saw it a few years ago uh, because I had to watch it for a television kind of critics roundtable uh, show that I was on, and we were going to discuss this movie. Some one of the other critics had picked it, and I thought, oh my god, now I have to watch Under the Tuscan Sun, and. <laughs> I was actually quite impressed. And yeah, you know, yes, you can gripe about how nice it would be to have the money to simply buy an Italian villa like it was, you know, a souvenir from the airport shop or something. And and it's a fair question. How is this woman making her money while she's just out in Italy doing nothing? And it gets a little hokey. There's this kind of goofy subplot with a couple of Italian teenagers who fall in love. And I, I really couldn't care less about them. But I did think that this movie has a, it's got a grown-up streak to it. Uh, I was really interested in the way the movie handles this romance between Diane Lane and this kind of hunky Italian dreamboat named Marcello. And it doesn't quite go the way you'd think. And I think when you get down to it, this movie is really about a woman who doesn't just learn to cope with being alone. She she finds strength in it. She becomes independent and she she grows because of it. And so, like I say, not the kind of movie I would normally recommend to a person, but there it is, Under the Tuscan Sun. Wow. Um, I just finally saw this movie for the first time in the last year myself. Okay. I do have to say it's kind of a good time to watch this sort of movie because it's kind of slow moving. It's not it's yes, not paced it quickly and life is really slowed down quite a bit right now and so it kind of works with the pace of life we're at and a right. lot of the, you know, the camera will pan across a scene and maybe it'll pan longer than it would in a film made in 2020. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are a lot of just moments without dialogue where she's just really taking in the beauty of Italy around her, things like that. That's, that's yes. right. That's right. The, the, the entire film seems to have been shot around sunset. Yes. Yes. Right. Also, can I, I'm just, I'm also going to um, try to, if you'll just allow me to salvage my, my machismo, Diane Lane is hot. <laughs> She's extremely hot in this movie. So that's another reason to watch it. So just let me sort of let me sort of square my shoulders there. I will second that. She is gorgeous in this movie, as always. She's a, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. She's gorgeous in this movie. Absolutely. Totally. So, Kristen, what's your recommendation? All right. Well, one thing I really locked into in Nell's letter was that she's finding herself, you know, bitter. That loneliness, that yeah. bitterness. It's painful. Nobody wants to be bitter. Nobody sets out in life to say, oh, gosh, you know what I really want? I want to be that bitter person. No, nobody wants to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a YouTube TV show right now that is the perfect antidote to bitterness. It almost seems scientifically designed to make people feel less alone, to feel a little bit more connected, and to feel the opposite of bitter. And that is a show by John Krasinski of Office fame oh. called Some Good News. All right. I'm not familiar with this, but I do really like John Krasinski. Uh, tell me about this. Almost every episode opens with just thanking all the people who are essential workers and showing videos of them doing great things in hospitals. And 
giving us a chance to cheer for the people who are on the front lines right now. So it always opens with just joyousness. And then it celebrates all the people around the country and what they're doing to try and be better neighbors, to feed those who are hungry right now, to create a greater sense of you know, humanity in a moment where a lot of us are feeling not so human. And so it really celebrates all those good things. And then almost every episode ends with John Krasinski and one of his famous friends surprising somebody who uh, really, you know, deserves it or who, you know, you just want to cheer for. So uh, here's a clip I'm about to play of a little girl who is a super fan of the musical Hamilton, and she was finally going to be able to see Hamilton. But then because of COVID, her show was canceled. And this is what happened. Aubrey! Hi. You've had a rough week, I hear. Mm-hmm. I heard you're a big uh, Hamilton fan. Mm-hmm. Scale of one to ten, what do we think? Are we a, are we a seven or eight or? Million. A million. Wow. That's amazing. And you didn't get to see it? This Corona thing, it's a real bummer, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, the social distancing thing is very important. So I have a deal for you. When it's all over, I will fly you and your mom to New York, and you will see Hamilton on Broadway. How does that sound? Hello? Peter's joined. Oh, oh, wait. Hi, Aubrey. How are you? Uh, I'm Good. so sorry you didn't get to see Hamilton. I'm so glad to meet you. So that is Lin-Manuel Miranda crashing John Krasinski's call with this little girl. Lin-Manuel Miranda is the man behind Hamilton the Musical. He also plays Hamilton in Hamilton the Musical. Of course. And he and the entire original cast put on a performance for her. And even people who absolutely hate musicals, like my husband, Dean. Dean hates musicals. He sat there with tears rolling down his face and smiling ear to ear the entire time. And just oh, thinking wow. about it makes me emotional because it's so beautiful. But he orchestrates these wonderful kind of this is your life moments. Like you did something good and I'm going to do something good back for you. And every episode is filled with moments like that. So Aww. it almost feels impossible to have any bitter feelings while watching the show. Again, it's called Some Good News, hosted by John Krasinski, with uh, special cameos from his wife, Emily Blunt, in some of the episodes. And she is comedic gold. She's just delightful. She is great. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy, Kristen. Yes, it's the end of the episode, but it's not the end of the conversation. All of you out there, if you have questions, if you have predicaments, if you have conundrums, reach out to us. Let us know what they are, and we will do our best to offer some questionable advice and solid movie prescription recommendations. Write to us at Kristen at gmail.com. You do not have to use your real name. Or you can visit our website, which has a contact page. Our website is RaferAndKristen.com. And also, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.